Good morning. Aaron and I were discussing earlier this morning before everything got started. We, we were thinking since uh, both pastors, Kirk and Brian, are absent today, we were thinking maybe just changing plans and ordering pizza for everybody today. But then one of us had to be the mature adult, and uh, who that is, I'll, uh, that'll be a mystery, okay? Um, one quick announcement uh, before I get going a little more here. Um, on Communion Sundays, we also offer an opportunity for people who may be going through a particular struggle in their life to be anointed and prayed for, and that'll happen right after this service, just that first office down that hallway. Um, if that's something you would like to do, um, you're welcome to, to meet over there. So, uh, a couple elders will, will meet you there, all right? And Aaron, while you were doing, figuring out your math there, um, I did a little bit myself, and uh, I think you're about half my age, so, um, so you, you can look this good when you're my age. It's encouraging, right? Um, I thought this would be the, the one opportunity I would have to introduce this shirt that was my, a birthday present I got last month. Um, Every year since, my, uh, since both of our folks have died, uh, my bro three brothers and I try to get, commit to getting everybody together once a year. And uh, it doesn't always happen. Usually the four of us or, and our spouses and so on can get together. But to get everybody and everybody's kids and all the cousins and so on, that's difficult. That's a different story. But this past uh, last month, we were able to get everybody together. It's about 30 people. Uh, we rented a couple of big houses in the Twin Cities and spent a long weekend there. Um, went to a Twins game. We got the Madison reunion on the Jumbotron. I got a picture of that. And uh, I saw my first live, in-person, in Major League Grand Slam, which was really, really cool. The only downside to that was it was a Minnesota Twin Grand Slam. But um, <laughs> otherwise, it was awesome, yeah, just to see something like that. Um, but anyway, back to uh, this shirt. Um, I have to credit my sister-in-law, my youngest brother, Todd's uh, wife, uh, they live in Des Moines, uh, for finding this and ordering it and bringing it, and I had no idea this was coming. Um, and they don't really know the story behind it at all. She just uh, knew that the sophisticated person I am would probably really appreciate a shirt like this. Um, Got to make sure all my gadgets are working here. I got coaxed into youth ministry 26 or 7 years ago. It's been a while. Anyway, at that time when we would, uh, the leaders and I, would, we took turns delivering the message to the youth and so on. And we would always tap into uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, The Terminator, which I think his first one came out in 1984. Um, so, and we, we, we coined the name, and I'm sure we aren't the only ones, obviously, because I had nothing to do with this shirt, but we would say, who's the Terminator this week? And so whoever it was would have to say before they started, I'm the Terminator. And so you have to practice that. But if you say it really well, like Arnold does, um, it kind of meshes your adrenaline and testosterone, and it makes you feel especially powerful uh, when, you, when you give a message. Um, but like I said, uh, Todd and Susie did not know that that was the story behind it when they they got this shirt. So that's, that's when I tell people, God is sneaky that way. You know? 
Um, but as a sermonator back in youth ministry, and Eric can attest to this, we went some, to some of the same training. By the way, we're extremely, extremely blessed to have Eric on our staff here. He's uh, kind of the guru of youth ministry, and he has been for a long, long time. He was one of the first people that, that helped me out when I got into youth ministry, and we did some things together. So that was some great memories. Um, but we were trained to make the main thing the main thing, to uh, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So today's main thing is this, Jesus is enough. So if you don't remember anything else from this morning, please remember that. Let's pray. Lord God, open us up to your word today. Help us hear familiar words in a new way, from a new perspective, in a new light. Help us remember the main thing, that Jesus is enough, and inspire us through your Holy Spirit to share it with others in our path who don't know you. Thank you for loving us despite our brokenness. In your name we pray. Amen. Today's Psalm 23 is possibly one of the more popular and well-known psalms and maybe some of the most well-known six verses in the Bible. Someone who has been near a Bible has probably heard at least one or two of the verses here. Um, I discovered um, years ago that it has really special, special meaning and power to a lot of people. Uh, back in 2006, I was visiting my dad who was, um, was dying and I was visiting him in Iowa, and uh, he slept most of the time, you know, when I was with him at that stage, at that stage in his life. Um, and he was asleep in his recliner, and I picked up his Bible off the coffee table there, and uh, I started reading Psalm 23. He immediately sat up, snapped awake, and said, I remember that from when I was a kid. Um, and there's been three or four other times in the last few years when I was visiting people, either at their home or in the hospital, who were near that point in their life, um, who also had a similar response. It just, uh, it got their attention. Uh, the Word of God has a lot of power to reach us, doesn't it? I'm going to begin with a version of Psalm 23 that you probably haven't heard, uh, unless you've read this book. It's a, the Sinner's Saint Devotional. It's really good. It's, it goes through a lot of different psalms in here. Um, and Psalm 23 uh, sounds like this, and it's written by Chad Bird. The Lord is my shepherd, but I still want. I want whatever my heart desires. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, but I spy grass that is greener on the other side of the fence. He leadeth me beside still, the still waters, but I know of still more exciting places where I'd love to drink my fill. He restoreth my soul when I want to live life the way I see fit. He maketh me to walk in the paths of righteousness when I want to run in the open fields of the world, eating where I want, sleeping with whomever I want, living like the beast I am. He leads me for his name's sake, but I want to make a name for myself. Oh, the shepherd's rod is restrictive, and his shaft is stifling to my wandering heart. Come, valleys of the shadow of death, I shall not fear, for I know the lay of the land. I've been around the block, and I am the master of my fate. 
you know, when we think about this word enough, and I'll mention that several times today, um, we can go to a simple definition, something we're all familiar with. Uh, enough is as much or as many as required. But if we think about our version of enough, and especially America's version of enough, it sounds more like this, just a little bit more, doesn't it? Uh, let's, we're going to dissect uh, the real version of Psalm 23 and see what we can discover. In verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first piece we tend to notice is, I shall not want. And that's true. God provides everything we need. Not always everything we want, but everything we need. What we often miss is my shepherd. When Christ died, while Christ died for every person, those who repent and accept his grace are his sheep. His, he is shepherd to those who listen to his voice. His saving grace is sufficient for all, but real for those who claim him as Savior and Lord. In verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. God provides what we need, food, water, clothing, a home. In this uh, 19, 2019 article in Sports Illustrated about the then newly crowned heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Andy Ruiz, they asked him several questions in an interview. <clears throat> this is one of the questions they asked. You shouted out your mom after the fight. You told her things were going to change. What's changing? He said, we don't have to struggle anymore. We always had everything that we needed, but not everything that we wanted. I'm going to get my parents what they want, especially my mom. There's a house we have been looking at in San Diego. I'm going to buy that. Just a little more, a little better, and a little sooner, right? We tend to want a little bit of that. A newer car, bigger home, <coughs> um, more expensive wardrobe, newer golf clubs, a bigger boat. Nothing wrong with all of those things, is there? Just depends on where our heart's at. In verse 3, we hear, He restores my soul. He guides me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word gives us moral direction for our life, doesn't it? Um, last spring, there was a Lenten message here about the word of God being an umpire for our hearts and an anchor for our souls. How many of you have ever used YouTube for some instructions how to build something or how to fix something? Okay, most of us, <coughs> excuse me, have done that at some point in our life. Well, the Bible is our YouTube instruction manual for living a life that's fulfilling and honors God. Uh, Super Bowl champion and coach and author, Tony Dungy, calls it a life of significance. Not about, it's not about wins and gains, but it's about how we impact others to the glory of God. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is probably one of, maybe one of the most well-known verses <clears throat> from the Bible. This life here is uncertain, isn't it? We've all experienced that through family and friends and, and acquaintances and co-workers and students and so on. We've, we've seen that happen. Um, death is defeated and eternal life is certain, though, with Christ. The sting of death is unconfessed, unforgiven sin. And Christ has robbed death of that sting. Think of this. <clears throat> the worst thing that death can do to us is really the best thing that can happen to us. I had to read that a few times before it really made sense. A shepherd's rod and staff are used to comfort, guide, and protect us. <clears throat> exactly what Christ does for us. In our grief share group, we often talk about our loved one now living in glory with Christ. The grief and pain we feel is for ourselves. With Christ, we can walk through the darkness of pain, suffering, and grief, knowing he will not let us go through it alone. We may not face our own death gracefully. An old saint once said, I don't mind the Lord taking down my tent, but I hope he does it gently. For a Christian, death has lost its terror. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The table spoken of here refers to the blessings that are ours in Christ. His comfort, his peace, his strength, his spirit, and his abundance. While we may be surrounded by enemies, such as struggles, obstacles, loss, and pain, we can enjoy his blessings in peace and security. Anointing with oil was used by shepherds to soothe the scratches and wounds of their sheep. Hosts anointed their guests and were expected to protect their guests at all costs. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit as we receive Christ as our shepherd and Lord. The final verse, 6, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For a believer, this reminds us of our final address, the house of the Lord, who promises to prepare a room for those who seek him. Thinking of the main thing brought me to our scripture reading today from 2 Corinthians. But to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from getting proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, and I highlighted this, my gracious favor, favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and insults, with hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This reminds us again of the main thing. God's grace through Jesus is enough. Period. 
How many of you like to fly? Anybody here like to fly? Do we have any white knuckle flyers here? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, Denise was a white knuckle flyer a long time ago. Um, you know, one of those, so I'd, when we'd get off the plane, I'd have little claw marks in my forearms. Um, those kind of white knuckle flyers. I mean, even, even uh, driving to the airport, this was the clincher for her. It says terminal, and it even points to heaven. What more do you need to know? Uh, who remembers the first time you flew? A lot of us probably do, unless we were really, really young. Well, my first time was uh, my junior year of high school. I went uh, with my friend Moby. Um, that's his nickname, but we never call him Jim. It's always Moby. It's Moby in my phone book. We were best man in each other's wedding. Known him for since junior high. Um, but his sister was a teacher in Clinton, Iowa, a couple hours from where we lived. So we went there one weekend to visit her and just hang out. And one of her teaching colleagues owned a World War II practice plane, something like this one in the picture. We even got to uh, take the crank up on the fuselage, you know, the propellers here. We got to crank it to get it started, manual crank and so on. That was pretty exhilarating, especially when you're kind of close to the propeller and just the sound itself was, was really, really awesome. And I was never afraid of heights or rides and all that stuff, fortunately. Um, but he had to take us up one at a time because there was only two cockpits, one for the pilot and, and then one for us. And we had to hold the double belts across the shoulders and we got the little Snoopy uh, pilot helmet thing on and all that stuff. And he would do a few simple stunts. He didn't do anything wild and crazy, but just enough to, to make it fun for us. But my favorite part was when he would turn completely sideways and you're looking right down the wing at the, ground, at the earth. You know, um, that, was, that was pretty exciting. Um, the only time he really got me attention was he, he shut the engine off and we just floated. And it was just total peace and quiet, but it was really scary. Just for a moment there, I wondered if I should have brought an extra pair of clean pants on my trip. Um, but we got down safely. Um, there's an interesting story I read one time about a flight with about 20 passengers on it. It was a short flight. But suddenly, one of, the engine, one of the engines on the plane burst into flames. So the co-pilot got on the PA system, and as calmly as he could, said, folks, we lost an engine. Uh, we're we're going to have trouble. We're probably going to have to all bail out. I'll be right there. So he came back, got all these parachutes out, showed him how to put them on and, and how to hook them up and how to jump out of the plane a perfectly good plane, or it wasn't at that time. Um, pulled, a, pulled the cord and all that stuff. Um, showed him all those instructions and got ready to go. And the first passenger stepped up <clears throat> and shouts over the noise because they had to open the door. And I was going to actually, for this moment, I was going to get a big fan to add some effect and blow my hair in the wind and stuff. But that was a lot of work to do that. So, um, But the first passenger came up to get the parachute and said, can I make a request? Do you have one in a different color? This one's so tacky, and it looks awful with, with what I'm wearing. Co-pilot kind of shook his head in disbelief and just said, isn't it enough that I got a parachute for you? And he gently 
pushes her out the door. Maybe not real gently. But the next passenger stepped up and said, I get really sick easy. Do you have anything for motion sickness? The co-pilot said, no, I don't, but I'm certain this parent parachute will get you down safely. And out the door he went. A third passenger stepped up. I'm afraid of heights. What should I do? If you want to live, said the co-pilot, trust the parachute and you'll be fine. I promise. Out he went. God offers us a parachute, doesn't he? But we often want just a little bit more. We'd like a little less pain, a little bit better job, a little better school, maybe a little better family dynamic. We say, God, can you save me from bankruptcy? Can you save me from the cancer, from getting worse? Can you save my marriage from falling apart? If his answer was, you can spend eternity with me, trust me and you'll be fine, I promise. Would that be enough? Would we be content with that? Think about it. If God did, not, did nothing more than save us from hell, could we complain? We might anyway, right? J.R. Littleproud outlined Psalm 23 and captures it really well, really simply. Secrets of a happy life, every need supplied. The secret of a happy death, every fear removed. And verse 6, the secret of a happy eternity, every moment in the presence of God. That's Psalm 23 all wrapped up. Amen.